Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Strickland's Mailbag Patreon Edition. It's been a while since we last showed up. I don't even remember, but it's been a wild couple weeks, three weeks, four weeks. It's been something. It's been an adventure. I'm Drew. I'm here with my co-host, my buddy, my friend, my partner, Dallas. (laughs) Dallas, how are you? life partner even uh doing great doug nice to be here um i've been on cloud nine with this next shit i find myself like i'm like thinking oh i gotta i gotta look something up and i like like for work or whatever something comes in my head and i go to type it in and just like automatically type in like new york knicks or like nba standings um and i'm like wait that's not what i was doing i was like well let me look again and Oh, interesting. Six seed. How nice is that? Oh, oh nine and man. one in the last ten. Oh, gorgeous. What a freaking beautiful, pristine looking man. It's uh it's it's amazing to be a Knicks fan right now. Um I don't know why I rooted for bad teams all this whole time because <laughs> rooting for good teams is so much more fun. Um although yeah. probably like it's way more rewarding because I suffered through years and years of uh absolute it is it is so much more rewarding because there is there is uh there is you know suffering involved yeah. for all these uh years. So we're gonna get into your questions. Um we actually kept interestingly enough, we already tapped into one of the questions <laughs> pretty quickly. But before we do that, guys just wanna remind everyone if you go to the strickland.com, you type in you look at the little waffle on the left side of the menu, you see a drop down. You'll see shops. Are we, a, are we a diner? Yeah, we're we're a diner. Exactly. Waffle on the left side of the menu. Yeah, it's a waffle. They usually call those things. They're called like waffles, right? When you look at the top waffle. of the menu in the drop down. Got some coffee. Got great. Yeah, coffee. all that sort of shit. You go to the Strickland. You can either from that menu you can go to our Patreon, which is also patreon.com backslash Strickland, where you can listen to this full episode, which will be God knows how many hours, but you can listen to the whole thing instead of the free preview. You get Schwinn's exclusive Strick and Roll. You get the Friday edition of uh, Pod Strickland. And then we have all the different tiers for that. You can get some content from Matthew Miranda. You got a, there's a $6 tier, $9 tier, all that good stuff. Check out the, uh, the Patreon. Go to our shop also as well, which is separate from the Patreon. That is, up front. That is 
also on our website, we got a bunch of new merch, and it's pretty. It's pretty gnarly. It's sick. Yeah, you know. it's sick. I'm. I also, there's some new stuff coming too that I'm really pumped about. Very excited. Yes. There's one thing yes. in particular I'm waiting to just immediately buy as soon as it's released. I kind of again, we're gonna get into this as well because it was definitely a question asked. But it would have been. I wish we almost had like the foresight to see that game happen, right? And just like have Which that game? shit prepared. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. 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 Like it would have been. Like I just wish we had that. Oh, yeah. Well. No, what I'm saying is like the like the timing could have been like Sunday and then a Monday drop for some merch. This is great it would have been... content. This is great content. Con- <laughs> contact content. Everybody's loving this inside baseball. Everyone, everyone strives for inside baseball. Yeah, we should That's only basically... talk about. We should only do inside jokes. <laughs> inside info for the rest of the that's how you i know you don't trading as i i'm i'm morally against insider trading yeah so i'm also more against insider uh trading (laughs) no that's i know you don't listen to this stuff at all but that's basically how dan labitard made his big following in like the miami radio the podcast scene it's the entire show is an inside joke (laughs) doing insider trading Yes, Dan, Dan Lombard is big on insider trading, um, allegedly. <laughs> I don't want to get. Actually, I don't want. I don't want them coming after me. I'm a big fan of insider trading because that's essentially how we got Jalen Brunson. So I don't that, think that I, is that is true. Nobody who has ever insided inside traded has ever done anything wrong. It's just, it's all fair in love and war and money and free agency. <laughs> so. Yes, that that's our way of saying go to our our shop, check out our new merch. It's great. Go and support it. We should Tell make a uh, a moral lessons book for a Strickland moral lessons. Yeah, that's that gonna be a book. Maybe that would, that would be like hot. it'd be five pages. <laughs> no, no, it no, would no. be we, it would be the table of contents. <laughs> it would be that section where they do all the copyright stuff. <laughs> A page introduction, the list, and then the the last page. That's it. That's all the uh, the moral lessons would be. You don't think uh, Whack has a bunch of moral lessons that would be just great? No, because there's only one moral lesson. It's believe in Emmanuel quickly. That is it. Uh, and two, insider trading is morally good, morally permissible. That's fine. And if Emmanuel quickly believes in Jesus, maybe we should too. I'm going to leave that to Schwinn. That can, that's his... Uh, <laughs> he had his on-air conversion story. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to steal his testimony, if you know what I mean. I want to I wanna let yeah, him... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think Schwinn's heading to a Pentecostal church pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, on Sunday, he's gonna he's gonna yeah. be there. He's ready for a, he's ready for a baptism. <laughs> he's gonna be dancing in the spirit pretty soon. The, the, he's gonna get the uh, the priest that literally just like takes the baby and just dunks them. <laughs> that, that, that that's what that's what a priest is gonna do. The Schwinn just gonna dunk him in a annual quickly's holy water, and he'll be like, "Thank you, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, all that, all that shit." <laughs> ready to get some questions? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. What do we got? Fairs asks us, how happy have y'all been during this win streak that happened? <laughs> I think you got to get the uh, the vibe. 
we oh, think yeah. it's been the greatest. Oh my god. It's also like I feel like for me, my life is just like going so well right now. Uh and this has just been the cherry on the top. Things have been really awesome. Uh it's just it's just good vibes. Good vibes all the way down. It's it's all it is. It is just tons of good vibes and I actually am ha- like I didn't obviously I wanted the win streak to continue, but it was nice that the Knicks lost like the quintessential trap game, so they can yeah. like they have time to like refocus and be like, okay, we finally got the the winning streak out of the way. Let's get back to uh to business. So like, as annoying as that Charlotte game was, it was like the makings of the trap game, right? You have <laughs> the last game is the emotional huge win. Everyone's playing tons of minutes. You're coming back home to a team that has Kelly Oubre and Terry Rozier, the perfect trap game players, right? Like they're the perfect trap game players, and they just played harder. Like it was just as simple as that. Dead legs played harder, whatever. But now they get the focus on it. But no, it's been great. Josh Hart has been great. Emmanuel Quigley has been great. Julius Randle has been great. Jalen Brunson has been great. RJ has. Two good games. <laughs> so, like, well, since All Star Break, I think he's been a lot better. I, I really no, no, that's fair. That, that's fair. I'm just you know kind of messing around a bit. Like people were giving him a hard time yesterday, and it's like guys, his legs are dead. They stopped giving him the foul calls that they gave him in the first half, and uh, no also, one was doing anything. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I've I'm terrible at remembering. You know, you just like scroll your Twitter feed and just like see see stuff, and you know, I sometimes I forget who actually did did what. But it was either Ariel or uh, is it Ariel Ariel um, or I think it's Ariel. Uh, Shout Ariel? out to Ariel. Yeah, amazing follow. Um, either him or Benji, uh, and I don't remember. But one of them had a thing, and it was awesome. Um, just about the way that the Hornets uh, started shifting their defense in the second half. That was Ariel. Yeah, that was Ariel. Yeah, so like, um, you know, there were still occasions where RJ was forcing it. And I do think one of the things he struggled with more in the second half was, um, like in the first half, there were a lot, lots of these instances where he would be doubled or the help would come and he would just quickly make a, like he just made a pass. He made a good decision. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second half, um, the defense changed on him a little bit. It forced the ball out of his hands early. And then when he did get attempts, um, you know, uh, he was not always double covered. Sometimes it was single coverage and just like, you know, like at the end there, like that layup, he just like left it short and it was just like, ah, but yeah, like that I wasn't mean, a shot he shouldn't have taken. He just like screwed up and missed it. Right. Yeah, but, then no, yeah, but that was, that was the game was over by then. Like I did, I couldn't have cared less. Well, that's that. fair. That's fair. Like, if, you, <laughs> if you look at that, like second half, I do think I'd have to rewatch it to, you know, I, I haven't watched it three times, Tibbs. So if we you're listening, yeah, we haven't done. Yeah, we haven't done the tape three times yet. Sorry. Not yet. Not yet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tibbs. Um, But uh, even when I was watching it once earlier in the season and last year, I was still better than Tibbs, but um, (laughs) getting more out of it than him. But uh, but maybe it's because he doesn't have a he doesn't have a vantage point behind the backboard. Maybe that's why that Tibbs. Oh, yes. The backboard. Best place. Everyone knows the best place (laughs) to watch basketball is behind the backboard. (laughs) <laughs> that's literally the most outlandish thing that's ever been said in the history of NBA Twitter. And there's been a lot of outlandish things, but that oh, yeah. like the sideline view is not where real scouts um, watch basketball is just no. a, the real scouts and Mr. Dolan. That's where, that's where they sit. 
That's right. Um, really, the true scouts are uh, on the chase bridge. That's where. That's where the true, true scouts. That's are. actually apparently like a pretty good view. <laughs> I haven't done it. I haven't done it though. I think. I think our buddy um, Alex. You know, Alex Lockdown Knicks editor, dictator in chief. Former beat writer for the New York Knicks. Yeah, former beat writer. Oh, man. R.I.P. to that. Sorry, Alex. He had like a a four-month stretch. Um, He did. The the goat stretch. Uh, But, yeah. Um, No, I think, I mean, like the defense has changed. And then R.J. also just, um, you know, I I do think his his decision, like his decision-making in the second half I I think it just like regressed. I think he took shots that weren't like I was never like ah those are terrible shots. Um, but he wasn't hitting reads the way he was in the first half, and I think some of that was, um, you know, he wanted to try to make it, and some of that's probably because legs were dead around, and he knew nobody else really had things. And in that respect, I think it's understandable that he was trying to make something happen. Um, but really, uh. Yeah, no, like when you're a guy like RJ, which right now he's not a good finisher and he's um, not a good uh, 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 foul drawer, drawer. like he draw, draws some fouls. That's really hard to say, foul drawer. Um, he doesn't have a high free throw rate, let's say, right? Like if you, I was looking he, at comparing... He should, the he, should have a, he should have a higher free throw rate. I, I don't like the fact that the refs don't give him the... Uh... Uh, I, I really he doesn't. Don't. He hasn't figured out how to like draw them too. But no. So um, see, now, now we're gonna go diverge into a section that I really don't want to get into. But now we have to get into a foul is a foul is a foul. The idea that you no, no, no need it's to, not like that. It's not like that. It's not the like fact that, that you need to that. do specific. No, what you're saying is like be more like Jimmy Butler, right? Yeah, but Jimmy Butler is not really like a flopper, right? Like he does he, but he knows how to do things like. Your hand is reaching. You're reaching in the cookie jar, right? Like Julius Randle has really gotten good at this this year. Yes. Your hand's in the cookie jar. I am going to rip through and take a shot, and it's going to get a foul. Not you're not flopping or whatever, but you're creating contact. Or Jimmy is great at. There's, I mean, there's a few things Jimmy does. What I mean, one thing is he does the drop shoulder, which creates separation, and then guys try to close the distance, and so they lean towards him, and so they're not straight up. And as they lean towards him to close the distance. He jumps into them, and then the foul's on them because they're not going straight up. Um, but he gets them off balance, and they're forced to close the distance, and that's how he gets that lean. And the other thing he does really well is in the post, he has a like lightning-fast uh, drop step, just like crazy fast. Um, and that little spin move he does too, uh, just really fast. And so he beats guys, and so they reach behind, when they're behind him. Um, so you combine those, those couple of things. When he goes up, he always goes up through a guy. You know, RJ often like goes away from a guy rather than up and through a guy. Um, so like, I don't. There's just things like that, and like drop shoulders. You know, like RJ is more likely to put his shoulder in you and then like go to the side of the hoop rather than drop his shoulder and just go straight up through. Right? Um, he just has some things to learn about that. Now I, I do hear you. Like there was that call this year uh, where like he was clearly fouled on that dunk and he didn't get the call. That was a real thing. Um, he got fouled multiple times in the second half, and they did not call. And not only that, the one time they gave him a bullshit foul call, 
they decide to overturn it despite having no evidence, more evidence to show that it could be overturned. Right? There were just, I, there were just I don't so think, many. I didn't examples. think that was a foul. I didn't think that was a foul because the guy no, got no, no, the no, ball. Here, here's here's the difference. This is what he I blocked it, it, and then he hit him it, after, which is fair game. Once you hit the ball, you're good. You can hit his wrist. No, this, is, this is what I'm getting at. It should have never have been called. The fact that it was called, and then you look at the replay, you don't have anything to overturn it. Just because, like, I you can't just be he, like, I think the fact oh, that I made a mistake. No, there's that. Well, here's another problem Hayward reached in before the shot attempt. So if you're reviewing the play, why is that? Why is there no, no foul on before? I don't like the review system. They have no, what, like, there's no. Press like the precedent they establish is completely inconsistent. Nothing ever makes sense because if the idea is you need clear cut evidence to overturn a call, and if you watch the replay and it's not clear cut, you then cannot overturn it. That is that is how it's supposed to be. They don't always do that in the NBA, which is ridiculous. They shouldn't have called the foul in the first place because it was all ball. That's not the point. You make the call. You need stuff to overturn it. So and they didn't have that, so it's bullshit. Uh, I think refs get a bad rap. I, I uh, you know, there's all. And then there was the up. other play. Where, there was another play. He got completely whacked. He didn't get the foul call, and he was about to charge at the ref. And then Hartenstein held him back. He wasn't about to charge the ref. He was. He was mad at the guy who who hit him. He was. He was. No. He was. That was a crazy was, play. Though. He was ready to fume, and it was clearly a foul. They're like, "Dude, no, it didn't happen." Like you, saw, you thought he was going to the. I thought he was going after the guy who got him. Maybe, it, maybe it was. To me, I don't think it ultimately matters who he was going after. The fact was, it was clearly a foul. Yeah, and it he came up, I thought he came up like ready to swing, but it was amazing. He like he uh, got control pretty fast. He was like, "Yeah, we're good, we're good." But uh, uh, you know, I I hate the way he's officiated. It's complete. It's complete bullshit. No, because you're sitting here going, eh, no, no, no. You have guys like Marcus Smart who wins Defensive Player of the Year by exploiting shit that isn't supposed to be exploited for being a reckless player. You have guys like Luka Doncic who's still complaining about calls, who just flings himself. John Morant flings himself and gets the call no matter what. Like You have all these different players who are completely officiated inconsistently who haven't even deserved to get these calls, and they get them. And then you have someone like RJ who does get fouled quite a bit and doesn't get it. Randall gets fouled all the time too, but he's, you know, like the refs told him, he's too strong, so it doesn't work. Again, uh, this is Randall bullshit. gets a pretty good whistle. I also, I mean, no, I don't. He doesn't. None of these guys do. I There are times, there are definitely times where I think Randall does get fouled and he doesn't accentuate or like, you know, exaggerate it enough. Um, I just again, again one of what you're people. saying. What you're saying is ridiculous. You're not supposed to exaggerate a call. You call it as it is. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But in a world where so many people do, I think it makes it tough. Um, I do. I do think like like we have to think when you're thinking about like refs. You have to think. Okay, really, what do you? How good do you want them to be? And whenever you're talking about humans, there's going to be an error rate. And when you're talking about a game that's as fast and as physical and as up and down and as difficult to see, there's more guys on the court than there are refs, right? Um, They can't watch everything all the time. You have to ask yourself, well, how reliable is reliable enough? Like, how good do they have to be? Um, And, you know, like, I think, like, 
you want them roughly around like the 90%, maybe a little above 90% reliability. But like you're going to have – that's still going to leave a lot of error, right? You're going to miss some calls, and you're going to have some false positives too. Um, and it's just with humans, that's how it's going to be. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, we could correct some of this. We could improve our percentage by having review, by having – you know, there's like a lot of different things. You can you could have review every play, right, if you wanted, and that would make – calls way more reliable, but it'd be a terrible product, right? At some point, you have to be say, okay, there is going to be some inconsistency, but they're doing the best they can, and you have to, and there's going to be some unreliability, but they're doing the best they can, and there's some percentage that you just have to be happy with living with, and that's built into the game, and that's just how the game is going to be. And I do, I mean, I think on the whole, like, there are these narratives about various things. I do think, one thing I will say is I think the NBA, the way it works, it is the case that stars get better whistles. Stars get better whistles. Um, wet, that's not in the rules officially, but it's clearly an unwritten rule, and everybody kind of knows it, right? Like, Frank Nilakina on defense gets a vastly different whistle than Marcus Smart gets, right? And that's Marcus isn't even a, sm- a star, but he's, like, known as this defensive player, right? Um, uh, I remember being so frustrated with Frank's whistle on defense. And that there's definitely that. But because there's also the fact that everybody knows that, from Luka Doncic to Nikola Jokic, to Giannis Antetokounmpo, to fucking Ayo, Tsunmu. Uh, <laughs> Everybody fucking knows that stars get whistles and bad players don't get whistles to the same degree. Um, so it's like, that, that doesn't bother me, given the fact that everybody knows that's how the playing field is. And if you want to get a better whistle, you sort of, you get better or you force more contact. Those are your options. And then I think just like, once you realize that, like, I, do, I just think the whistle sort of, uh, evens out. Like, for example, in the Miami Heat game, um, there were some bad missed calls on the Knicks, I think. Um, there are a few instances where I was like, ah, that, you know, that was a terrible call. But there were also similarly ones for the Heat where, like, um, they called an out-of-bounds on Tyler Hero where he just didn't step out of bounds. But it changed possession. It gave us the ball. And Miami Heat fans were freaking out about it, right? And at the end of the game, they were like, because Hero ended up scoring on it. And they're like, well, that was the difference between the game if you counted that bucket, which he scored on. But there were also missed calls on the other side. And I think on the whole, in any given game, it might be that it's lopsided one way or the other. And that can be really frustrating. But on the whole, it tends to even out. And then the real question you have to ask is, well, is this, um, you know, is their reliability good enough? Now, I think Knicks fans have some reason to be a little more angry. And part of that is because we've been bad for so long. So if there's this star bias to the whistle and you don't have any stars for like 15 years, right? The whistle starts to, it'll be a little bit more biased against you perhaps. Um, But again, you get some stars and it starts working out. It starts getting a little bit better. Um, I don't know. I'm not worried about the whistle. I think it's mostly fine in the NBA. Was this a question? How are we, what are we, I don't even know. How we got here. And if everyone is wondering why I allowed Dallas to go on that diatribe for so long, I just wanted him to continue digging his grave because he basically put on the Blue Lives Matter speech. <laughs> um, innocent people should will go to prison, and that's okay because it's 90% fine, and the Miami Heat uh, deserved better uh, officiating. So... <laughs> Listeners, you're welcome for what I just allowed you to listen to. Dallas, no, 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 no. The, the I said the Miami Heat deservedly lost despite their officiating complaint. Yeah, I am. I wish I had a mute button on you for that, but no. ZMP three two three company man hater asks, which win was 
from the streak was your favorite? Well, clearly it's not the Miami win because Dallas thinks Miami should have won the game no, because no. they got a bad whistle. Um, <laughs> but the answer is clearly the Celtics game. There is, oh, that yeah. is, I don't even think we really need to go into it. It's, it's the Celtics game. No, we need to go into it a little bit at least. No, we re- do we really? The reason, the reason why, so there's so many reasons. So first so, of all. It's been done so much already. Do we really need to go uh, into it? That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. There's, okay. there's one. There's one thing that we just we can conclude from this. Emmanuel quickly has got son. Emmanuel quickly has got what? Is God's son? Oh, is God's son? I thought you said has got son, and I was like, got son. No, no, he's he's got son, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was. You know what? It made it better. It was in Boston. It was so great. No, so the thing the thing that was so sweet about that to me was the amount of like vitriol and like just in hate and insults that I've received over the last like couple of years for arguing that Emmanuel quickly is our best player or is our or excuse me our best prospect. Um mm-hmm. I've like literally I'm just gonna these are just like some comments that I've received. Um so <laughs> this is this is great. This is amazing. So uh this was this this one is uh starts off this guy is delusional. Um this was after a podcast. Um mm-hmm. uh at that I where I argued that quickly was our best prospect. Um what qualifies this dude to make any any assertions about any NBA basketball players. I actually, that's, that, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. The next one, this one's pretty funny. He said, stop with this Fugazi IQ talk. He is playing against second units most nights. Uh, his percentages better be better than RJ's. RJ is way better than IQ. Not even close. Next one was, <laughs> this is a terrible, terrible that episode. One did, that, one, that one thought AJ well. this one said uh this is a terrible episode y'all are really trying to convince me that iq is a better player than rj you're an idiot that's great so like i just like for me this was just like it was so beautiful to see just like all not only all of nick's twitter get behind quick and it's not even i don't give a like you know people are gonna say what they want about my takes and i'm gonna have terrible ones i have had some bad takes over the years um, oh, we but, know. We just listened to it. Five, not even five minutes. Uh, that was a perfect take in every. No, it was not. Um, that was one of the worst things I've ever heard in my it's gonna, life. It, it, it's going to age beautifully. Um, oh, but, uh, it is not. It's not. It's not aging right now. <laughs> but quickly, just seeing everybody get behind him. Like this guy has been doubted by literally everybody. He's been mm-hmm. doubted by Tibbs. He was even doubted by the front office. They were talking about moving him at this year. We're about moving him this year. He's going to put in trades for Donovan Mitchell in the summer. Fucking, like, you name it, the person has doubted him. Nobody on Nick's Twitter believed in this guy. He was behind Alfred Payton. He was behind Wash Derrick Rose. He was behind Alec Burks. He was behind fucking Evan Fournier. Behind Wash-ass Kemba Walker. Um, maybe most insultingly, people tried to give him and Austin Rivers a joint nickname. Like, he was combined with Austin Rivers to make Quivers. Quivers, Quivers, Quivers was pretty good, though. I like Gross. Disgusting. That's an insult to Emmanuel quickly. This guy has been doubted all of, 
all along, and he's fucking showing people that that's uh, uh, if you if you doubt Emmanuel quickly, I can't even I can't I was gonna say I can't even say it I was gonna say you're Fugazi, but I can't use Fugazi. That's like that's it's Fugazi to use Fugazi, right? Like that's like. Anyways, you're crazy. You're crazy. Emmanuel quickly is here. Um, you should. I wish you could all see Doug's face right now because he just mm-hmm. gave me. <laughs> uh, the, the appropriate face in that case, unlike in the referee case, that was the appropriate. Face. Oh, Jesus, can I can I mute him? Actually, I think I can. So <laughs> I definitely gonna we're gonna test that out. We're gonna test that theory out. Franklin Chubb asks, "How effing great has this season been so far? How does it compare and rank with other Knicks seasons?" So. I would assume this is from like Nick seasons we've watched and remembered because we can't be like you know what season was great that yeah, 69 70 season <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying like we can't um, this is probably my favorite season yeah for sure I mean like it was really exciting um, Tibbs first year here to me had a lot of meaning because yeah that was that was also really good playoff one. drought was a big deal like yes just. Even though it wasn't like we were that good, it wasn't like nobody really thought it was that sustainable. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in fairness, people did have pretty high expectations for the next year, but like they're they were too high. <laughs> um, they, they were definitely too high. Definitely too high. But like uh, you know, I like you know going into that, I did think there was a chance, like a better coach series, and especially if we had Mitchell Robinson, that we could have beat the Hawks. But that's because mm-hmm. the Hawks suck, even then. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the Hawks are. The, yes, they made it to the because, Western Conference Finals, but yeah, not, not because I thought we had we were really good or like we could have gone all the way or anything like that. Um, but nonetheless, breaking that just after years and years of watching, um, you know, getting excited about fucking Kadeem Allen and like, could this guy be a rotation piece or like, um, oh, you you name it, Ron Baker. Maybe could be Ron like Baker. a defensive specialist. Let's Sean go. Baker. Uh, or like being like, well, at least, uh, you know, Beasley f- can like score like crazy. Like, man, this guy, how is Michael it? Beasley, he, sh- he could drop 30 right now in the league. Hey, right, absolutely. 40. Like in his sleep. He's a, he's a walking bucket. He's a walking bucket. Um, so like after years and years and years and literally like I could keep saying the word years and it would be accurate because it was so long after all of that, that se- that season was sweet and making the playoffs, um, was special and it felt really good. It felt awesome. Uh, it doesn't feel as good as this season though. Um, Mm-mm. where just, there's not only, um, I mean, we've have a similar end, like late season run that we've been on. Um, but it's sustainable. And, and this time it seems like we're good and we're going to continue to be good. And there's further upside to this team. And we have potential to make moves that could really make us a contender. Um, and independently of any of that, independently of making future moves, this team is just like, it's not like rooting for a team where Alfred Payton is starting. Wash Derek Rose is starting Reggie bullet. What, like what, whatever, like um, mm-hmm. you have, uh, just guys with great vibes who are seem to be awesome friends who are loving each other and playing hard for each other, and they seem to be having a great time. And it's just it's it's infectious. Um, the only thing that comes close to me is a year which 
really is uh, probably not accurately remembered in my mind because I was too young. But like 99, 2000 is like my first basketball memories. Um, mm-hmm. And or the 99 season and going to the finals in the lockout year. Uh, I remember just the joy of that run. And I remember watching it straight through the finals. And I remember like, I, as a kid, I was like, watching your team win is, you know. This is fun. Yeah, this is fun. That and then 2003, Syracuse won. The, uh, my dad is a huge Syracuse fan and I grew up cheering for Syracuse. Um, and they won the, the national championship and that was crazy. So like those runs as a kid sort of stick with mm-hmm. you in a way that I think as an adult, maybe they don't as much. But this, nothing since then has come close to me that I've lived through. I mean, like I was like Raymond Felton, Tyson Chandler, Carmelo Anthony. I was excited about that, but it wasn't, I didn't have, I, I didn't feel it the way I feel it now. Yeah, because well, the first year, like the first Amari year, mm-hmm. uh, when like Amari was going on basically his MVP for half a season type stuff, and we're like, all right, this yeah. is really fun. The The 51 season for me just never felt sustainable. Mm-hmm. So, even, but like they got, they made it to the playoffs, still, still an amazing season. Super fun to, uh, yep. to yep. watch. We have to basically see how this season plays out because if they win a playoff series and then this one is definitely better than the uh the 51 season so we'll uh we'll see but right now given we don't have the playoffs yet i would say this is my favorite season so far yeah after the start sucked the start sucked but i think that's what made it like there was that redeeming quality of like the start sucked 20 games in and then tibbs is like all right Maybe I should listen to the nerds who only watch the game once and play my best nine players. <laughs> well, there was just a, it's like, oh wow, look if we're winning. <laughs> that, that Weitzman piece just came out where it was like Tibbs was about to be fired. He was telling people, "I'm going to get fired." Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes apparently was pushing for him to get fired for over a year. Um, I think he got the fear of God in him. Yeah, and, under, uh, and all that was deserved. And guess what? He. Yeah. It took him forever, but as frustrating as that's been, he did finally learn. He, yeah. he, he, and you know what? He's pushing the right buttons right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, unclear if he learned or if he was just like in desperation yeah. to keep Yeah, we don't, we don't know, but here's – it happened, yeah. and I'm thankful it happened because yeah, he's yeah, yeah. finally For doing sure. the right thing. Like, sure. like you're, we're finally seeing it. Okay, now it's just we have to wait for the playoffs. This is how we'll judge this team now is playoff time. This is – all of this right now is just gravy. It is just amazing to watch. It's going to be fun. We're going to have Kings Knicks on national TV when this drops. That's amazing, right? Like we're getting that. It's it's. Uh oh. Look Sorry. at that. Look at that. See. Oh, I do have muting power. Wonderful. So I can just mute that out. Oh, he's going to have to unmute himself. I think. <laughs> All right. Bomber beast. Bomber BCMS. Discussion question for this. Overall, what are y'all's thoughts about the quote unquote product of the NBA load management and the CBA and TV deal negotiations? He adds his input by saying, I know we all make jokes about silver being terrible, but I genuinely think the league as a whole has gotten lucky given the large talent influx of this generations of players. It's covered up the fact that the league has done a terrible job maximizing and marketing the talent. I agree with that. That is that is something I do agree. Yes, the league has grown. 
and it has expanded and like the reach is so much more but i do not think they do a good job with their media partners marketing the league i think they focus way too much on the um the trade the notification the the off court the drama of the off court like almost like a reality tv show type of like manufactured drama instead of focusing more on like the game because the game has gotten so much better since you know since so much of us have been watching it like the game is great right now like in terms of like the talent and everything but Dallas I know Dallas loves the officiating I think the officiating has been getting has been so bad overall it is just progressively getting worse the uh, the rule changes have not been as well getting getting worse do you remember watching the Kings get their uh championship stolen from them when they were in the Western Conference Finals like it is not worse than it was then uh, like, that was specifically rigged there is a big difference between it being rigged versus the officials right now are literally incapable you of had Donaghy as a regular NBA ref every single night correct corruption and the ability better. to do things are different than just pure inability to do your job like they're it's terrible the market is is absolutely awful right now like they already jumped the gun we're gonna get into this at some point they already jumped the gun on john morant being a future star and guess what it's not looking pretty good right now for how that's going they better hope no no that is it's all part of what the nba product and what it does and what it represents and what it is it is getting ahead of the gun and marketing players who probably don't deserve to be marketed at the time. You have terrible officiating. You have a review system that is terrible. You have your media partners with like ESPN who do a terrible job of covering the league. TNT isn't that much better either. And you just have crappy products all around. It is, it is not good. I, so the thing that I do agree with, um, is the, the way the league is covered, it sucks. Um, there's way too little talk about the substance of basketball. I agree with that point completely. Um, it's too much soap opera shit. And like, look, you can still do the soap opera stuff, but like, also let's talk about the game of basketball. Now, hopefully it seems like there's going to be some uptick with that. Like, it seems like JJ Redick is somebody people are starting to listen to and like, and he seems like he's pretty cool in terms of um, actually talking about the substance of basketball. And like, we'll see. Um, that's that's good. That's a positive turn. But I so I totally agree with that. Um, the thing, like uh, other stuff, um, you know, like the I think first of all, one thing I'll say is like I think the league is in a pretty good place. Like talent wise, influx has been awesome. In some respects, in some respects, you're just like constrained by what the talent is. You can't ex- like if you're a greatest star during a particular era happened to be like, I don't know. Like you can imagine Julius Randle is the best player in the NBA and there's like, everybody has his work. Like, okay, it's tough to have that great of a product when that's like your ceiling, right? Um, So like really you are constrained by your stars and we are lucky that we have an amazing, amazing set of uh, stars. And a lot of them are super cool guys too. Like Giannis is incredible, um, hysterical person. Uh, Steph is such a fun player to watch. Um, 
Jokic is a cool personality. You know, some of the star, some of the stars suck. Suck like Luca. Good God, like not fun to watch, <laughs> nor cool personality at all. Um, but like, there's like some legitimately cool and like awesome players. So like, the NBA has plenty that they can market. They have plenty of awesome guys on the court. Um, talking about the substance of basketball would be way better. But um, with respect to the officiating point, um, I actually think we've had progress there. I think things are better than Oof. they used to be. Um, God damn, this is such a terrible take. The, I think the public accountability of the last two-minute report is actually great. Um, I think the fact What that accountability? We, they don't change anything. They don't get the cold okay. better. First of all, there's a couple of things. Well, no, no, no. So accountability is different from making the calls better. But it is the case that... Um, no, it's part, it's part of it. The idea is if, you, if we're holding people accountable, therefore they are going to improve and do things better and not make the same mistake over and over and over again. That is the point of accountability, and they yeah, don't yeah, yeah. do so that. They do. So here's how they do it. They no, they do don't. Actually, NBA refs actually get graded based on this stuff. And those who do worse get fewer games. They get fewer primetime games, and they don't Why is play. Scott Foster still employed? That's a great question. He's he's a weird oddity. I do agree. I'm I'm on the Scott Foster sucks. Scott Foster's corrupt for game. I'm on that. I think there's issues with it, but I think we are in a better place with this public accountability stuff. Oh, you we couldn't be more wrong. And here's the thing: look, you're always going to have a cap on how good refs can be. They're humans. They are not going to be perfect. So, like, there's actually people who have looked at. Um, how frequently in the last two-minute report the calls made um, are stand up versus how many times they say they made the wrong call, right? Um, and it turns out that they're like in the 90%, I don't remember exactly what it is, but something like 92 to 94% accurate. That seems like, in terms of like human capability, with three refs, with 10 players, that's that are moving at crazy speeds and like you can't watch everybody at the same time and it's extremely fast and extremely uh, that's not bad that seems pretty reasonable to me and i think actually getting better than that is going to require ruining the product by like slowing the game down with more review and more like sending it to uh whatever what is it what's the caucus caucus <laughs> yeah and you know, people want to send more shit to Secaucus. They're fucking sick. That's a sick caucus. That, that, that I agree with. That I yeah. agree with. So, like, if you're not going to send more things to review, you're just going to have to live with human error. Um, and the fact that there's some public about accountability now, I think, is great. That's an it's improvement. It is it's improvement. I don't know. We, so I we, did, we didn't we didn't even get yeah, to the lottery aspect thing. of things. I have another thing to say. I want to talk about Adam I'm talking about Please, it better it better be insulting because otherwise you're getting muted and we're going to an ad read. <laughs> the thing I want to say is like, first of all, David Stern was a fucking terrible piece of shit, a terrible human, and nobody should be pining for the days of David Stern. I wish James Marcito was here because like David Stern was a garbage person, like garbage asshole, uh, racist piece of trash, right? But one thing I'll say is for the most part, commissioners are puppets. Like, you want to get mad at commissioners, don't fucking get mad at the commissioner. Get mad at Mark Cuban and fucking these 30 rich fucking white assholes who are racist, who fucking have made their money by trampling human rights, 
by exploiting the poor and impoverished and powerless. Like those are the people you get mad at because you think that like David Stern was like, oh man, I, uh, I really got to like, like, no, it was, he got a call from some angry billionaire who was like, I'm going to lose a bunch of money at this Tom Donahue. Donaghy stuff or Tim Donaghy stuff comes out. You better, you better take care of this. You better beat this to the press. You better make this go away, right? That's what happened. It wasn't David Stern was like a baller. No, I mean he made shit happen. He got it done that in that particular case. Um, but, but, but it's because the billionaires fucking called him and made him do it, right? Um, the same thing is going on with with Adam Silver. Like Adam Silver, he's a puppet. He's supposed to be a fall guy. He's supposed to be a front man. This guy is not a guy who's like running the show, right? The people who are running the show are the, the people who own the teams, right? Oh, excuse me, govern govern the teams, right? Those are the people who are responsible for whatever Adam Silver does. Um, he does not have agency here. He's I mean he probably has a little bit, but like really no. Um, uh, uh, he's meant to be a public face and when things go wrong, he's a fall guy um, so that the billionaires can go home and sleep at night and they can keep breaking in their money. So like this shit about getting mad about Adam Silver, I don't get it. And, and this is here. I'm just like parroting shit. James Martino goes on, but like, or was talking about the other day, but like seriously, when, when, David Stern was commissioner. We had malice in the palace. People were like, oh, you would never have Ja waving a gun around. Come on. You fucking had players in the stands beating up Detroit's poor citizens who have been just laid off by General Motors or whatever. Like You're defending the you're defending the fans in the malice at the palace? If you Well, no, 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 no. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna defend the fans. It's, it's, no, 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 no. You were just about to do that. You're lucky. I just saved <laughs> Those you. fans are terrible assholes and deserve I... to get punched. But malice in the balance happened under David Stern's watch. Um, the the like racist, terrible, garbage like fucking uh, uh, dress codes. That was all under David Stern's like mm-hmm. shit was crazy under David Stern. Um, it's not like it's not like jaw waving a gun around is like some like. That could have very easily happened under David Stern. People who are pining for the David Stern years, like get 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 over yourself and find a new slant. Who uh, who gave the Knicks the uh, the first pick that allowed them to get Patrick Ewing? Who was that? You gave gave yeah who, yeah who was that gave who was that gave I'm I'm asking you who was that? <laughs> that was David Stern. David Stern. Made sure the Knicks got Patrick Ewing. And speaking of corrupt um, official officiating, and we didn't even getting into the draft aspect of all of this stuff. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, <laughs> the action that's never great, ends. What a great choice! Every every week our transitions get worse. They they, they really do. <laughs> um, all right, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all of your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, guys. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you get another shot at cash. The cash it in. It's wonderful, right? Throw that money down on all the major action for baseball, golf, 
mixed martial arts, and so much more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, props, your betting options feel endless. Um, hey, Dallas, this is time for us to talk about our uh, our bets, our recent bets that we just made. Oh, um, I haven't made any. Yeah, neither have I. So but, uh, I can but, really pump up betting here. I have a great thing to say. Can we do that after the ad read is over? Before DraftKings pulls these? Uh, oh, I was going to say you should bet because they were talking about this is in favor of DraftKings. So oh, okay, this is in favor. So please go ahead. In favor, yeah. So like there is this thing. So like I feel like. Um, if I'm watching a game and I've put like literally five dollars on the game, mm-hmm. like it could be it could be an amount of money that um is insignificant for like where I am financially, which is not particularly well off right now. But five dollars I can handle, right? Nonetheless, just that little bit doesn't actually matter. It'd be fucking ninety nine cents if I have that on a game. It does. There is something about watching that game that it changes how you watch that game. Like the emotion, the feeling. It's even better when that bet is with another person. But even when it's just bet online, that the feel it it changes something about it. it there's there's something more to the game. Um, it's probably I I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up with like a dad who was who grew up with depression parents, and so like every mm, this is taking a dark turn. Huh? Mm-hmm. I said, this is taking a dark turn. Yeah. Every penny is so, pr- my dad is like, my dad is like poverty mindset to the fullest, like immigrant parents. He had immigrant parents and depression era parents. And so like, my dad is like, Oh, moldy bread. Yeah. I'm we're eating that because you don't waste good food or like mm. this milk smells a little sour. He's like, you put that on your cereal. Cause we don't waste good food in this. House. Like that. He has that built in him. And so, I've gotten to a point where I'm like, I, I've worked through it and I can like allow myself to enjoy luxuries um, and enjoy life a little more, I think, than he does. But, but nonetheless, I think that fact helps like raise the stakes when you're like, when you bet even a little bit of money, you're like, oh my God, that should I not have put that $5 on this? Um, and then also getting to brag about getting some insane parlay, that is like, re- that is, there is something amazing about being like, I had this like, 10 leg parlay and every leg hit and I just made some insane amount of money off like $2. Um, that's a great feeling too. And so everybody should sign up for DraftKings immediately and bend all their money. there. <laughs> yes, you should. And you don't have to worry about the, um, how much money you're doing it. Cause best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a free, a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's the promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. So, I'm just going to potentially assume this is where the free episode ends. So, this is now exclusive, exclusive 
content. So exclusive. Can you imagine if that's where you got cut off, your life would suck? It really would. Or you're listening to this right now and we sound like complete idiots. (laughs) Either way. Franklin Chubb asks, if Schwinn beat up a 17-year-old boy, threatened a mall security guard, had one of the Strickland crews uh, shine a laser to threaten someone from an SUV, and more recently took a gun with you to your favorite nightclub, posing a photo of it on the Discord, how would you handle the situation? Would his levels of wealth and popularity affect this? Well, good thing is, Schwinn's as broke as we are, so we don't need to worry about if wealth or popularity is going to affect that. Um... No, I would be, I would be very much concerned. I, th- I think he should be docked two thousand Twitter followers. If that happens, yeah. But uh, no, but he maybe five thousand. But in Tough in all, there. yeah, in all seriousness, when we talk about this John Morant situation, everything, I just hope that there's a wake up call and he comes to like this moment of like, yeah, no, I got to stop doing this because if Schwinn was doing this, I would be very much concerned. Because it seemed it would be very much out of character. I don't know if this is necessarily out of character for John Morant, but if this is like a new development, it does sound like something may be going on. I don't know what it is. I just hope he, well, for his own sake, I'll say I hope he gets his shit uh, together because this this route he's going isn't really going to end well. Just the amount of goodwill you just kind of lose doing this, especially when you put the team, especially when you. Have like whatever you're going on in the personal life, it affects now like the professional life, and then you're affecting like your teammates and everything, and then you get into the fan, then you get into the fans being like, "How could you do this?" It creates just this terribly messy situation that just sucks for everyone. So just like Schwinn or Ja, whoever it may be, who's doing these <laughs> things, just just stop. I know you're listening. Just don't do it. Just yeah. come talk to us. Talk to faithful listener Jean Morant. Just, on, just on his way to nightclubs, he usually tunes in. To yes, that's a Brooklyn Patreon podcast. <laughs> my take here, my take here is I don't care. I honestly don't. I don't care. Like, um, I don't. I don't know enough about. I haven't really followed this that closely. I could mm-hmm. care. I could care less. Uh, I'm not going to stoop to the soap ap- opera style getting into into this shit i want to talk about the substance of basketball and like i don't i don't know ja i don't know what his upbringing's like i don't know how he's what's yeah, going no. his life i don't know anything about it um i know some of this shit sounds like classic toxic masculinity stuff like tough mm-hmm. guy whatever but that's stupid it's okay to fail it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to whatever have a high schooler score over you on your home basketball court. <laughs> oh, that's what you don't have to punch okay. him if, if he if he hits a step back three and beats you in twenty one. It's all right. Um, but no, I I, I honestly I don't really care. Like whatever's going to happen is going to happen. The Memphis Grizzlies. I have not, other than when they beat the Knicks this year uh, in an infuriating, nasty, disgusting, grossly coached game. Uh, by Tom, one Thomas Thibodeau. Um, other than that, I haven't cared about the Grizzlies almost at all this year. Um, and I'm going to continue to do that uh, until they prove that I need to care about them. I know they've been winning a lot, but like, I'm honestly, I you only have so much time in the day. I'm watching 82 Knicks games a year. 
I don't have time to watch the Memphis Grizzlies and I don't have time to care about what John Moran's doing. So that's my take. I don't care. All right. For, for something you're definitely going to care about, we have three questions related to the one and only Emmanuel Quickly. Yeah. These questions are from Disingenuous Editor, Franklin Chubb, and Villain X. Presuming IQ wins Sixth Man of the Year, he'll be the fourth Nick to win the award. Mason in 95, Starks in 97, and JR in 2013. Where does his season rank with theirs? Then is, is there anything IQ isn't good at? <laughs> or would you like to see him improve upon? And then, if IQ came up to you and said, talk to me, you know, quote, quote, talk to me, while you were frustrated, what would that frustrating situation be? And would IQ get you refocused? And why would IQ be in your vicinity for him to come up to you? So we have a lot going on here from the from the greatest Nick right now, Emmanuel, quickly. Um, I don't remember... <laughs> Mason or Stark season. I wasn't watching the next. Couldn't tell you. Um, as of right now, it's basically the J.R. Smith six-man-of-the-year type season, right? Because, like, J.R. was pretty much the Knicks' second-best player, How if you want to say Tyson Chandler was for defense or whatever. But, you know, like, J.R. Smith was, like, super important to the offense, just like Quickly is, right? Like, so there's definitely mirrors of it. I think this one is better because... Quickly is playing a lot better defense than uh, JR did. And this is potentially something like this could be much larger, right? Like JR was pretty much solidified as like an elite bench guy at that point. Right. So it's like for quickly, it's like, could, could he actually be like the starting, not only like the starting shooting guard, but like, is he the missing third star? Right. You know, like you see them like yeah. we're at that point. So that's what I think for him, if he wins it, which he should, and what you need to improve on, I, I don't even – I mean, there's definitely things. I can't really think of it. I guess it would just be Can is how much can he do, like, doing things, can he repeat consistently, right? Like, can he get to, like, these specific shots consistently? Like, if he's struggling, can he do certain things to snap out of it? I, I think that's where, like, the improvement, I guess, would have to be. I guess you could probably nitpick some things with either, like – passing or finishing or you know what i'm saying like you we could definitely probably find a couple things but i think it's just ultimately like you know rinse repeat success being able to do this each and every night would be his that would be like the next step for him before we go anywhere else like can he replicate this each and every night yeah uh interestingly i mean i i'm the same i definitely don't remember (laughs) The Starks or Maziers. I like I was just saying, 99 was that's my first real Knicks memory. Um, the but um 2013 too was like a weird year for me. So I don't I don't it's such a long time ago. I don't have clear memories of that. It really is it's ten years ago at this point. There are like people like Schwinn who remember every detail or like Omar of every single season of all time. And it's it's shout out to them. I don't have that kind of memory. I just don't. I like I will remember I'll remember a season uh, for a year or two, and then it, it slips. Um, but anyways, I will say, in terms of like quickly what he needs to improve on, um, uh, is what what I will also say. Jr. Smith, Jr. Smith was pretty good. He was pretty good, and he he was he was really good. He had a he did have upside, and he carved out a really good career. Like he ended up being a, like you know a solid contributor on. Championship winning teams, you know. Um, oh, I know. J.R. Smith is 
awesome. Yeah, so he was he was he was good. But yeah, I do agree. Emmanuel quickly has more upside than J.R. Smith. Uh, yeah. Had at that point, although I don't, I, I'd be curious to see like what I would have thought if I saw J.R. Smith like right now, um, and like if I saw we him. would we would love J.R. Smith I, right I now. Love him, but I'd be curious <laughs> what I think about his upside. But I do think, I think just you you hit on his defense, Emmanuel Quigley's defense. I think that's a big separator. Um, but what I will say for Emmanuel Quigley, he does have things to improve on for sure. Um, he still has uh, uh, his handle needs to improve a little bit. Um, he still has room to grow there. Another thing he has room to grow, grow on is in isolation. Um, he has all the moves to beat guys, but he still has some case, some instances where he doesn't quite string them together in the right sort of way. So like he, um, you know, you'll see him like do a move that gets a guy totally off balance and then he'll do another move without using the first move he he did right like he hasn't it's not like he's he's not reading the opponent uh the opponent yet in the right sort of way yet or reacting in the right sort of way to how the opponent reads him um in some of those instances um where you see like oh he he has it he has the like ankle breaking capability mm-hmm. now you just broke his ankles but then you stepped back and like put it through your legs and gave him time to recover like you got to mm-hmm. exploit that and he's gotten a little bit better as the season has gone on because early in the season he had more of those instances, I think. But it's still a thing. I think he can he can grow he can grow uh, an area where he can grow. Another thing I would say is his handle. Or I already said his handle. You his said passing. handle. Yeah, his passing. So like if and some of this I think comes down to Tibbs and how Tibbs wants guys to play. Um, but if you remember his uh, when he was the point guard for the end of the year last year, um, I mean he was a triple double machine, and mm-hmm. some a lot of that was in transition. So in fairness. Um, he's played thus with Obi and he's become a much better transition finisher this year where he's taking mm-hmm. more than he's setting other guys up, which is a funny flip because he was like a passing, a transition passing God last year. Um, but we've also started, I think we're running a little bit less this year than we did. Um, at least, uh, like you're not seeing those hit aheads in the same sort of way. Um, Obi isn't leaking out quite as much. Um, nonetheless in the half court, um, I think he has a lot of room to grow as a passer. Um, he has a lot of room to grow as a as a floor reader. A lot of instances where he could hit, for example, lobs to Mitch that he misses, um, or he could hit shooters that he misses. And I think that will come around as he starts piecing everything together. Um, and I think it'll definitely come around if he had a different coach than Tibbs, who's very much a score-first coach, um, which no fault to that because um, it's clearly working. Uh, the Knicks' offensive rating is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. so there's definitely advantages to playing the style that Tibbs wants people to play, but I do think it makes it the case that there's a little bit, uh, there are passes that quick could make that would be high value passes that he's not making right now. And I think he can grow into that. I think he has the potential for it. I think he has the skill set for it. Um, and I think we'll eventually see that, but that is a place where I'd like to see him grow. He should work out with Brunson on the handles. That shit would be insane. And footwork, too. Yeah. <laughs> Drawing fouls, all that shit. That would be... Whew. Um, what situation, I think, would he do a talk to me? Listen, man, if man quickly is playing volleyball with me, I need him to be like, talk to me. <laughs> Calm me down. Get me in it. Like, that's what I need. That's I need quickly on my team. Plus, him being with 6'3 with the long arms, he would be crazy as a uh, an outside hitter. 
I'd love it. I need him when I'm driving. I get irrationally angry driving, especially like in the mornings when I commute, I'm fine for the most part, but driving home in like traffic after a long day, I lose my, I lose my mind. And like, I'm usually a very kind person. I'm a patient person. I have like a very long fuse. I don't get mad. I'm whatever, whatever driving. I lose my mind. I, I will fucking lose it on. I just like, I'm flipping everybody off. I'm honking everybody. Um, so I need a manual quickly to be like, Hey, life's pretty good, man. Like chill out. Enjoy. You got the ocean over there. Just take a look at it and like breathe and it's all going to be all right. NYC critic, AKA Jake Andrews asks, okay, I'm not saying play him for 20 minutes, but do you think there is an argument for getting Fournier a little run off the bench down the stretch? I think there might be some value in giving him five to seven minutes a night as a three and nothing else swing. It may come in handy in the playoffs to have a reliable, yeah, you know, a reliable shooter come in for spot minutes for nail kickouts. I, I think I don't think you need to do the like given I think Fournier would be ready for that right now. Like I, I, I feel like he's apparently everyone's like he's keeping himself ready. So I mean sure if you want to give some guys rest, like go ahead and play him, but I think Fournier would be very much ready to uh to come in if make a shot if that's really what he needs to do. I don't know if that's ever going to come to that, though. I don't want it. I don't need it. Uh, Fournier would be food in the playoffs on defense, and uh, he's not a he's a good shooter. He's not a good enough shooter to make that trade off for me um, reasonable. He's just going to get uh, you know on isolation, torn up. Like I would much rather like. I mean, you don't you don't you don't need him if we're first of all. Um, the only instance you would play him is like last night when we're like exhausted. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but like they could have just given more minutes to Quentin Grimes who only played 25 minutes against the Celtics. They could have just given more minutes to Obi and to Deuce. Deuce. And, um, you know, I think like, I just, I think Deuce is better defensively and has, then I think Deuce is better than Evan, even though Evan is clearly better offensively um, mm-hmm. right now. I think Deuce gives you a little more. I don't know. I I could understand someone thinking that's close. Um, but I don't know. I just don't think Evan shoots well enough. Shit's working since we've got him out of the lineup, clearly. His, his I mean, this year he's only shooting 32% from three. So not that great. Now, of course, um, that's the same eight, thing. He's a 38% shooter for his career. And like uh, even, you know, the best shooters have off years. um, And he's only taken, I don't know exactly how many threes, but not that many this year. So it's not even a meaningful sample. So he's really, he's like a 38% shooter. That's what, that's what you would expect. Anyways, you'll expect that to even out. But um, yeah, I just, I don't see any reason to play him. I just, I just don't. ZMP three two three company man hater asks: There seems to be some smoke around Harden leaving Philly this offseason. If that's the case, what are your thoughts on Embiid's possible fit here in the package? If they may take him, uh, what it may take to get him? Uh, Getting Embiid takes I'm, everything. It takes everything. Yeah, Embiid be, is going for like he's going for like as many firsts as you can give up, plus swaps, plus like. 
as many young players as you can give. That's yeah, like you would, you would, you're doing like the Donovan Mitchell package, basically. Oh no, more, more than Donovan. No, Mitchell. what I'm saying is like that's the framework, right? Like that's the start. Oh yeah, and then you build, then you build out from there with whether matching salaries, extra play, like whatever you need to go in. But that's kind of the framework that you're doing. Yeah. Um. It, it could it work potentially? I mean, I just, I just need to see where this team is. Win the playoffs. How Tibbs is in the playoffs, how Randall is in the playoffs, and just kind of go from there. Like I think that's where I am with that. I'm not looking for the star just yet. Like give RJ another year, right? Just let him see if he can bounce back because like that's the type of guy you want as a third guy. If Emmanuel quickly continues to ascend, like there's your guy, right? Then you have like this very well balanced team. I I, I I'm not there yet if you get Embiid you're gonna have to change the way you play which can be a good thing can be a bad thing I don't necessarily know because like the Knicks don't use their five for anything so then like Randall's usually the guy who's kind of operating an ISO and on the elbow how does that look with Embiid you have two guys now Brunson sometimes like it it makes things trickier for sure um, obviously the upside is championship. championship. So like, yeah. So like, obviously it's something you need to, yeah. Like you need to consider it, but, um, I, I'm not there yet for a star trade. I just, I need to see where this playoffs goes and I need to see another season before I'm thinking even about like dumping in assets for something like Embiid where you have to systematically change a lot of things. Now, if it was like a, a wing, like Devin Booker, you're not really changing much. So I'd go, Yes, everything, right? So, like, that's fine, but um, I don't, I don't know yet for Embiid. Like, let's see where this, like, let's just see where this team goes for this playoff run and how they rebound from this playoff run before we start doing. That's just me. Like, like that's just how I operate. But again, I know when it comes to star trades, like timing is everything. So, like, if Embiid's available now, he's not going to be available next year. So, like, you kind of would have to capitalize on it. So. It's, I just don't, I'm personally not there, but I mean, it, that's the, that's the ceiling is title contender. Like that is it. You may need to have to get a new coach. That may be a good thing <laughs> if that's the, uh, the case, but like it's, 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 it's a, interesting, but Embiid is locked up for a lot of money. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.